0: Hi FA Europeans, it's Matthias and today I chat with Gustas from Inrentro, who is a young serial entrepreneur from Lithuania. He just launched a new lending platform with buy-to-let property that on the face of it doesn't provide the insane returns we just got used from other peer-to-peer platforms. So you might ask why the heck should I continue listening? Well, it's about more transparency, lower risk and aligned interest between platform borrower and investor. Welcome to the Financial Independence Euro podcast. Where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your host, Matthias. Hello, ever Europeans! Do you like to diversify your portfolio and earn a nice and steady income? With Land Secured, you can invest in agricultural projects and support European farmers directly. Starting from 1st of March, it's a great alternative for payday loans with a loan term from 6 to 12 months. These loans are secured by crop insurance, personal guarantee, and a three-way agreement. Visit financial-independence.eu/landsecured or click the link in the show notes to learn more. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Financial Dependence Europe podcast. Today, uh, I have actually a guest with me who have been here in the show, uh, like 20 to 15 months ago. Gustav, say hi. Hi, yes, good, good to be here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious what happened. Uh, I, I heard that you um, just founded a new company, but I'm also just wanted to ask before how you spent the last uh, one and a half years um, also, during Corona and so on. So what what has, has happened to you in life? <laughs> you know, like,
1: in terms of from personal life perspective, I, I couldn't say so- something major has happened. Uh, but there has happened a lot for us in terms of business. I guess that uh, initially for us uh, when the Corona, the, the COVID-19 crisis hit. I mean, everyone was panicking, and all across the European platforms, you saw a major drop. And I mean, no matter how persevered you are, but uh, naturally, this impacts you. So I would say that the first two months uh, needed some adaptations, you know, in order to to develop a strategy. But I guess that, in regards for myself, even I've, you know, I've had goals before COVID nineteen happened, and I just continued on. Pursuing them, so one of the goals was to launch in Rental, uh, you know, a new platform that we will talk today. So the work has already been started before the COVID nineteen, and I had to make some adaptations in the business model and processes. But in principle, during all this pandemic, we were able to, you know, launch the operations, obtain the license, build the product, uh, assemble a, you know, all star team, and finance first deals.
0: Yeah, perfect. And maybe before we start about talking about Inolento, uh, just about the talking about the market, um, the real estate market. I think um, what I have observed is that there's a, uh, could it be that there's a higher demand for, for, for larger flats during, uh, due to the home office? More people are working in the home office, that there's just people want high, uh, bigger flats?
1: I think that we... I would say yes, but at the same time, no, because we have to understand the general dynamics of the real estate market and what's happening across all Europe. So the first thing that one can observe is that across most of the EU states and across the globe, the the prices of real estate is growing. So basically, we see a surging demand for all kinds of properties. This mainly is attributed to a few elements, but... I think the one very important aspect that we have to understand that uh, we may be living in hyperinflation period right now, but we just don't yet understand it because our consuming uh, is just much lower than what it used to be. So basically, when you uh, want to measure an inflation rate, uh, you, it's measured on the price indexes of some consumer goods. While the consumption is lower, the prices may not be able to adjust. But we are seeing, you know, already a crisis with the supply chains, with cargos. And what we're seeing today with the real estate, prices are surging. Cryptocurrency is doing the same. Stocks are going up. If we think about, uh, even if we consider S&P 500 right now, so what do we have? You know, 20 months ago, uh, we had the uh, S&P 500 or 500 largest uh, Companies in the in the market, and uh, most of them are doing well right now. the The situation is that a lot of those companies have been affected uh, by COVID nineteen, and I'm talking specifically about airline businesses, hotel chains, everything related to tourism, and not even limited by that because it also includes all companies. So, how can you know we have these uh, pro- the, the price of SP going up, you know, higher? And I think that the same applies to real estate. The same principle is that people have saved up a lot of money. They want to invest, and when there is a lot of market uh, money in the market, and banks are willing to finance it, the prices are going up. So I would say that people uh, are having a higher demand to buy, you know, secondary homes either for rentals or you know for leisure. What we've been seeing here at least in Lithuania that you know the the real estate market by the sea has just went crazy. The prices have uh, I, w- I would say like i don't have the real data right now but if i told that the price spent 50 or 80 percent uh higher during this period most likely i would be right so answering to your question i think that there is a large demand for all types of real estate but not so much for commercial properties so i think that uh, like uh, an opportunity today where uh, you know the retail investors or real estate investors can utilize is the commercial properties. Of course, this is a very broad statement because commercial properties by itself is very broad range, but you have to analyze each case by case. But uh, they don't have these price premiums, you know, that we have on uh, the residential assets. And I guess that although the prices are going crazy for residential assets and they are increasing in price, a uh, very important aspect to consider is that the rents are not Uh, increasing at the same pace so basically this whole growth of real estate prices are actually impacting negatively the rental market because your returns on uh, rents are actually increasing
0: yeah and so you also say that there's there's still more money in the market and that's why Aussie prices go up for rentals especially uh, where people live in but on the other side there is uh, a drop also in commercial or you you have to take a close look at the commercial properties do you think that for example um, as we have a look into the cities for example in germany there are many smaller shops that are closed and um, do you think there is what do you think is the the future of um, commercial property in, in towns especially the hmm. that has been earlier used by retail i think that
1: we, we should separate uh, the, the retail space uh, from the commercial and analyze it in individual case. When I'm referring to commercial space, I would say that I'm talking more about the offices, warehouses, uh, and other uh, usages for business, not including retail. Basically, what I can tell you that we have to check each market again individually. Like in, uh, if we look at the Baltics, let's let's analyze the Baltics market. Basically, in Estonia, in uh, in Tallinn and Vilnius, Lithuania the vacancy rate of commercial properties is around five six percent so it's it's pretty low but what we are seeing in riga it's uh 20 or a little bit above so each market is unique and i guess that here a lot of the, the market performance contributes to the government policies on basically how do they allow people to go to offices how businesses are able to conduct you know their businesses the level of lockdowns so again like uh let let me take you an example of a property that we are going to list uh, tomorrow.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know when this uh, podcast is gearing, but
0: it will uh, be in the past. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it just it, tell us. Yeah.
1: So so basically, uh, this particular property is uh, it's a large commercial premises, five hundred square meters, which mm-hmm. is used by a motorcycle shop, uh, mm-hmm. shop and maintenance. Basically, if we analyze their business. It's a seasonal business. Their main business is in summer. Uh, COVID restrictions go lighter on summer. Most importantly, during this period, as I told you about uh, the, the the real estate, the consumers all have also saved up money and they are buying things that they haven't been buying before. One of those assets is motorcycles. So for this particular tenant, the business is not getting worse. Like what the tenant uh, actually we you know when we did the due diligence, we always talk with the tenant and what the, the tenant actually said like. You know, the volume of business has increased, but people just don't want to pay that much money and everyone is using the pandemic card. You no, know, oh, I don't have money. I don't want to pay this. But in principle, the business haven't haven't decreased and it's actually growing. And uh, so this particular place, uh, this property in our investment thesis is that it has a great tenant, which businesses soundproof from the pandemic. And uh, most importantly, the property by itself it has multiple applications, so it could be used as a storage. And uh, for the price that the tenant is paying, this property could be easily switched to warehousing. And warehousing, despite you know how the pandemic is going, people will need to keep things, and businesses will also need to manage their supply chains in order to stock the goods that they, are, they will be selling.
0: Yeah, I've also seen that these... As you mentioned, this warehousing. I've also seen that uh, the cargo market is is kind of crazy because they had uh, too much capacity the last uh, ten years, and and right now you can't find any boat, <laughs> or you you have really to. It's four times more than last year. The the price to to ship your goods.
1: That actually brings back you know the, the thought I said before, like most likely we are living in hyperinflation, but the the prices just haven't caught up. I guess that. Uh, we have this example for cargo, but we also have the example for steel. So Mm -hmm. right now, like I'm building a a house and basically we have to start the project sooner because the prices of the commodities used to develop increasing. I mean, you know, I'm building a small house, but at the end of the day, you know, it shows that even me, a small, uh, you know not like investor small consumer still is already being affected so i guess it's just a matter of time when we see the, the price correction in
0: uh, general co- consumer goods you mean upwards um, that you have to pay t- pay more i personally um, i also want to uh, improve my my uh, ch- kids room and i would like to build some furniture um, from from would like to build it from somebody and there's no wood available so you cannot have anything so you have to really to wait and to pay more to get the wood to um, build your furniture and i also want uh, as going back to your motorcycle example i would really would like to buy a gravel bike but it's really to get a good one is really impossible to have to have to wait 20 weeks uh, to get it it's really and it's not cheap (laughs) but it's still um, impossible So um, it's it's kind of crazy what what is happening right now around the globe, but uh, maybe maybe to uh, wrap things up. So you said there is no decrease uh, in in the real estate market, or you have to have a close look, and that you cannot say that the um, the commercial property market is kind of going really down, but you have to see from a. One by one uh, analysis, how that goes. I'm pretty curious how the the, the 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 center of the towns will develop when there maybe are um, less there's less retail like H H&M and M uh, and all these chains. Maybe they we find uh, other other nice things that we can use um, these uh, properties.
1: Yes, no. Yes and no. I would say that you know like. For probably last decade or last two decades, everyone's been talking about the e commerce and how it's going to kill the retail market, but retail markets still exist. And I guess that, you know, there are some goods that will, you know, will be forced out to move online. But I guess that even if we talk about HM, I don't know the level of lockdown that is currently where you are based, but here in Vilnius, Lithuania, right now we are decreasing uh, the measures. And we have, if you go on a weekend, to stores, you have to wait in line. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there are massive lines. If you have one to go to Zara, H and M, there's like lots of lines. And actually, even a, a couple of weeks ago, I went. Uh, I was seeing this uh, sports clothes store. Every time I would drive through it, there would be a massive line and uh, one day I just told my girlfriend I said like we have to stand in that line like, let's stand for one hour if there's a lot of those people standing in that line probably they saw something really good we are not aware so <laughs> you know and I guess that what I came to realize also from that experience that there's nothing special actually <laughs> like it's it's nothing really special being solved. but people just miss this experience people you know we can see that look uh, people can talk uh, like Right now, you and me, we can talk using Zoom, mm. but uh, but it's probably nicer if we would meet right now and we would have a nice chat. So I guess in certain areas of retail, the same rule will apply. Consumers yeah. like to interact with other consumers and try try the goods themselves before buying.
0: Yeah, it's also a kind of event to, to buy something. You're not going just to shop, but also to meet uh, people having coffee, coffee afterwards, also discover... And maybe also spent a little bit too much uh, um, on this. Um, yeah, I think um, recording a podcast episode in the in front of HM m is, is a bit difficult because of the background noise. <laughs> we can try, but uh, it will be hard. So maybe um, just uh, one last question. So how did you receive, perceive that the, the change also not in the overall industry, but also in a peer-to-peer lending market um, during Corona? There have been, I think, last January, some, some scams. And there's a new regulation coming also from, I think, from, the, from my perception, from the stock market and crypto, there are some competition so that people need to think about, oh, put it, do I put my money into crypto or the stock market or do I use um, equity-based crowd investing or, or peer-to-peer lending? So how do you think um, the last uh, 15 months have been going for, for the peer-to-peer lending industry?
1: I think that uh, the, the changes have been positive. I mean if we consider you know the cases that were involved with scams i guess this is a natural development of the market i guess if you take uh, any industry which is supposed to be regulated but isn't and you have the early days of the market naturally it will, it will be operating like wild west you know so basically uh, i guess that we are finishing this period of wild west yeah. and we are entering the regulated market and i guess that No, everyone will be winning in this scenario. I guess that, uh, you know, the investors will have uh, more, better investment opportunities. The regulation will be better. And naturally, this will come to a development to uh, other platforms on the lower risk scale. I mean, if I probably, if I came uh, in this wild west period 30 months ago, 40 months ago, and I would say, look, this is in rental. I'm going to offer you six percent rental yield, seven percent rental yield. I wonder how, how much people would you know been excited back then. And I guess right now, uh, although our main target audience are not the traditional P2P uh, crowdfunding investors, but I would say that uh, those investors already are appreciating you know the, the, the work that we are doing and finding our deals more attractive than they would have done the same three or four years ago.
0: Yeah, I think three, three or four years ago, um, not everybody has incorporated the real risk of the uh, peer-to-peer lending. So if you get, if you see like a fourteen percent, but there's a risk that maybe the the platform goes bust or they don't rebuy your, your loans, then it's not really a fourteen uh, percent that is written there. So I also have the feeling that uh, people also value lower lower risk, and um, yeah. So let's see how, where the market is 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 heading, but uh, as you're right, I also think that um, there has been wild west, and it also has been in, in crypto where they have also been a lot of scams, and it's now tending to go in a more not regulated but in a more ordered way uh, with the IPO of Coinbase and so on, and also in in this equity investing, crowd uh, equity investing, there was also some some issues that uh, interest rates has been low or that the investors. Haven't received their money and so on. So it's, I think it's a normal. I think uh, a gardener calls it the, the the phase of delusion, so that people are really not happy with it. But afterwards, it's slowly getting traction again, and yeah, and hope uh, it will stay for some hundred years. Then, <laughs> so then talking about in in Rando. Um, so first of all, many people maybe ask why you uh, left. Estate, because you worked there and we had also the interview about it uh, more than a year ago and um, do you want to say some words about it are you still working there part time you, you know like I'm a shareholder
1: of the company so when you're a shareholder you always you know you're always involved in one way or another mm. i don't participate in the uh, operational you know operational activities but i guess that like uh, if you ask me why uh, this has happened because I feel that, uh, you know, when we set out to build Ewa State and my first, uh, my underlying goal of building it was to solve problems for the investors, you know, to uh, aggregate, to make the diversification easier and to reduce the risks. But uh, as I continue doing it, I, I, I figured that even if we do this, there's like no, everyone's focusing on high risk, high returns, you know, investments. And mm-hmm. basically there isn't much happening on the lower risk scale in the mm-hmm. european market at least so i figure that probably this goal that i was solving isn't act it will not make this sort of big impact that i can make by you know developing and uh, growing in rental so mm-hmm. i guess that the goal here is remains still the same to encourage people to save money invest wisely and by investing reduce the risk and i mm-hmm. guess that the core principle of InRenta and how it's structured is to beat inflation. I guess that what renta is to generate monthly returns from rent and also beat inflation. And I guess this is where I should elaborate myself a little bit. What I mean by beat inflation is mm-hmm. that if you invest in real estate crowdfunding, like let's say fixed interest loans, real estate, and you lend your capital for 9% per annum, what it actually means that you lend your money for 9%, but right now the official inflation is like, let's see 2%, but as we move further, it will go above 3%. So your real, real return is something like 6 7%, which is actually lower. And uh, the longer you lend your money to face interest rate, the, the lower your return will end up with. When it comes to in rento deals are structured this way, that is based on the revenue sharing model, meaning that the borrower pays the interest rate, depending on the amount the property generates income. And this is where it gets really interesting. Most of the people who are familiar with real estate will know this, but I guess that those who have not had so much experience, this will come as quite a new uh, thing is that most of the real re- rental contracts in real estate are tied to inflation, meaning that every time the inflation increases in the country every year, the lease contracts, rental contracts are being renewed with the price based on the price indexes announced in the country. So this is one way of beating the inflation and this is how we are fighting. it. The second way is that rental returns are not only based on rental income. In rental returns are also based on capital appreciation, meaning that when the property would be sold for a higher price price, than it was acquired initially, there would be a capital growth split, split between the investors Ourselves in the borrower, and here I am saying ourselves, meaning in rental. And uh, I think this is quite an interesting model because uh, in a lot of cases the crowdfunding platforms just take this initial contribution and then you know they they just want to close and finance new operations. In our case, the rental model is based on skin in the game, meaning that if the borrower is not earning, the investor is not earning. So the borrower is fully incentivized to make money in order the investor would make more money. I have to also clear myself, uh, I made a little, little mistake when I meant the borrower is not earning, he's still obliged to pay the fixed interest rate for the investor. But for borrower, this is an expense, whereas if he's making income, that expense is part of the income. So it doesn't incur additional expenses, meaning that the interest rate that he's paying for the investor, it's never higher than the cash flow, meaning that. This way, the the risk is managed by cash flows. And when we talk about the capital appreciation, everyone is sitting in the same boat, meaning that the borrowers, the investor, and ourselves are fully incentivized that the property would be sold for the higher price, and the capital appreciation would be spread among these three parties. I guess that this is another element where the inflation rate uh, beating the inflation comes back to is that properties appreciate over time. I guess that there's a lot of noise uh, generally when people consider capital appreciation and how you know they, some some people perceive like it's a, a startup which will go you know multiple times in value. That's that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. Yes, in short term of real estate cycles, the prices can go higher, like what we're seeing today. But in the long periods, like let's say ten years, five years, the prices are going through a stable growth, which is usually depending on the market again, but something between. Half and two percent higher than the inflation rate. So if we are seeing today two percent inflation rate, I guess that statistically looking at the historical data, it's safe to assume that there will be additional three, three to four percent capital growth in this very realistic scenario.
0: So you um you don't offer only um, these these usual interest rate, but also yeah a kind of I would say add on in in returns um, that comes from the increase in value of the property so you're not only getting the the fixed interest rate but you also have the possibility to have additional gains that also depend on the overall market Uh, inflation i mean uh, couldn't that also be in the other direction if there would be in theory (laughs) deflation then you would as an investor you would just get no additional return but you there's no negative return so the neg- negative capital I- appreciation.
1: This is a very good question. You know, I guess that uh, like in the modern markets, we haven't seen the deflation phenomenon probably except anywhere in the world besides mm. Argentina, I guess. So, so it's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a very good question. Like I, I really like these intellectual challenging questions and it's theoretical. Like, I'm thinking what would be the, the smart uh, answer, you know, I guess that... Uh,
0: it it's unlikely to happen in, in europe in the near future i would say so but it was just some i was just curious about it but uh, and you also have some flexibility on on so I, I what i like is that it's aligned in interest so for for the borrower and, and also for in rental, it's uh, it's a, a share if, if if for example the investor gains uh, or if the uh, borrowers gain something the investor gains something then in rento gains something so it's uh, really uh, nice that it's it's kind of in- aligned and it also offers for the borrower some flexibility that if for example there is no tenant he has some some time and doesn't have to pay the investors but has having not not having a tenant uh, so i read that there is uh, just then, if there is no tenant or fewer tenants, that there is just a one percent charge uh, or interest rate the borrower needs to pay for the investor, then he has kind of three months time to get a new tenant. But if he's not finding anyone, then there is an additional or increased uh, fixed rate for of five percent. Is that right? Yeah, it depends
1: case by case, but it's it ranges between four to six percent. So basically, you know, although all the parties are incentivized to to work and Earn money for each other i would say that we still take a very serious precautions you know in terms of risk management and uh, this is the way of how we just make sure that everyone invest uh, you know interests are aligned that there is uh, that this wouldn't be uh, the system would not be used uh, by the borrowers
0: so who's your the potential customer so what what target groups is this offering designed uh, for um, for example, you you mentioned that the people who are just greedy and want like a twenty percent return, not seeing the risk, uh, they are potentially not your customers. And then there are the people who just uh, said and forget in an ETF. that they, they they expect like a seven to nine percent before tax. And then you have like in rentals also offering like seven to nine percent, maybe some some percent more with this um, capital appreciation. But you have to, I, th- I guess, you have to. Pay more tax because you have these yeah you get every month you get your inf- interest rate, so you have to tax it immediately. what do you think uh, how does it, for example, in rental compares to uh, just in general ETF approach?
1: I would say that you know we should compare oranges against oranges, not uh, oranges with bananas. I would say we, we should clear this off. I guess that's what in rental is competing with, and mm-hmm. the purpose of why I built in rental is that I would say to serve the smaller investor, but. Not the smallest one, but the one who would love to have a rental property, but just doesn't have those hundreds of thousands euros to acquire one. Or if he has that money, he just doesn't have time to manage it. So probably this is the, the client that the, in rental is after. And in rental, is, I like to say that it's the same as owning your own rental property, but there are a few differences. One is, is that you don't have to manage it. Second is that you get cash flow even if there isn't a tenant, which is, you know you don't get that if you own the property yourself. But naturally, this comes at the risk, which is that there is a tenant risk, which is a financial risk that the borrower can default. But we also evaluate this risk and we manage it by having first charge mortgages on our investments for the investors. Meaning that in case you know, something happens to the borrower, he defaults or he just goes bankrupt or you know many things can happen the property is still remains the, the 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 right of ownership remains to the investors meaning that the mortgage could be enforced in our favor in this way we would you know ma- manage the mortgage to compensate the any potential loss uh, of by selling uh, the collateral
0: and um, w- what's in the box for the borrower? Why is the borrower not just going to, to a bank and getting a loan there? Um, why is uh, the borrower um, yeah, using the, the platform? What's the benefit?
1: I think for that for, for the borrower, I guess that uh, our product is not for like the real estate developer, the, uh, you know, the, the traditional real estate investor. I guess that the borrower for us is the one who's already working in the rental management. So basically the property administrators, and I guess that for us, like in Lithuania, even like Lithuania has close to 3 million people, I guess that in, in this country, we have probably up to 50 potential borrowers. So in our case, the key difference between the borrower is that where he gets financing by banks in principle and the Baltics are very conservative with their lending. And if we won't we'll talk even about the small properties, like something like 200, 500K, this is too small for the bank, and the borrower has to be really big in order to obtain financing. Or, and I guess that where we are working towards to is not to continue, you know, financing these rental properties for 200,000 every month. Our goal, and where I see that where our problem becomes a real painkiller, and we just need to get there, is to provide a little liquidity for the rental funds. So basically, you have asset managers who manage. Uh, rental real estate portfolios, and they need the liquidity. So basically, I guess that this is where in rental will be able to come in at the favorable terms for the asset managers in the future. But naturally, we have to grow and we should grow to the level where we would be able to finance a project for two, or three million euros. I mean, this would be still a small fund in the Baltic, but if we would look west, I guess this number should be at ten million euros. So this is our goal, and you know every, uh, small property that we are list have listed or we are going to list is you know a small uh, small step towards the bigger goal.
0: I signed up for your website and I've also seen that there is a uh, what what I really like is your in rental risk score that you can um, kind of really in detail um, see how you assess uh, this this property. Can you can you tell a, bit, a little bit more about this um, risk score or what's, yeah. what's behind it? So basically, you know, I'm a big fan of transparency, and I feel that
1: uh, such measures such as risk scoring, should be publicly available for the investors so that they could easily understand how do we assess risk. So in our case, we have three core risks, which we analyze. So one is the borrower's risk, which we basically analyze on a few key questions. So one question is, what's borrower's debt to equity ratio? what has been his performance in the past to fulfill debt obligations, meaning has he ever had late payments, but I'm talking late payments, not only on loans or the loans that we offered, but loan any debt in principle. So basically, you know, we have access to large databases where we can see, even if the borrower was late to pay, you know, a parking fine, or, you know, uh, you know, or, or, or telephone bill, naturally, like, look, this is, you know, we're all human, but If he missed this one time, we have this assumption that he might be also likely to pay be late also in the future. So basically, if he paid on time, this is a big benefit for the project. If he hasn't, this is a negative score. So it's either a plus or minus. There's no neutral. Like if we would say, oh, he missed one time or second time. So that's a few of the questions we analyze about the borrower. Then we look at the tenant. So we also check what the tenant has been doing and his frequency of paying. Uh, rent payments in the past. So each project that we finance, we analyze the occupancy of each property. So either getting the cash flow of two years uh, with each payment and seeing whether the tenant was paying on time, uh, was the property fully rented out. And then we also go beyond and we check the, the tenant itself. So basically, is this business sustainable? What is the Basically, we, we we also have the same access to the same database, so to say. So we also see all all late payments and we just want to be sure, you know, what is the tenant uh, that, you know, this project would be involved. And then the, the, the third one is the the asset itself. So when was the last time it was renovated? What are the, like, if we're talking about commercial property, does it have security and like all these small details and which we, uh, which all add up to a full risk scoring matrix.
0: And and you also um, you on the on the page for the rental you also show uh, what you expect uh, for the the gains in in the market in that in that region. So you you also kind of have a look uh, where where it's located and um, look at the data. What is expected for the that location in price change? cool and and i signed up and, and uh, i've seen just that i also need up uh, to sign up for another account call from paysera what what is behind that Sh- should i do it or not
1: <laughs> if you know if you are going to invest more than 100000 into a deal we can give you a direct access meaning that uh, the the transfers are initiated between your account and you know the borrower and the there's no Paysera in the middle except the escrow accounts mm-hmm. but in principle you must open a paysera account it's very similar to what you have on Lemon, like you have on other platforms. It's called Lemon Way. The key difference between Lemon Way and Bicera is that with Bicera you get access to your bank account, so you get an account opened, and this is where it's very important. It gets open in the, not in a commercial bank, but it's open in the Bank of Lithuania, a government institution. So as long the European Central Bank system stands, you know, as long as we are in the EU, your money is safe, and uh, most importantly, it's not insured. Up to hundred thousand. the The insurance is limited, unlimited, because it's in the government the money. And uh, basically, the way how it works is that you set up a PISA account, you get an account open in your name. So it's like it's sort of like a electronic Money institution. So it's like a bank. You can go log in. You can even order a Visa card or a Mastercard. And basically, then you link it to your rental account. And basically, what happens when you press invest the money? The money is being, until the project is financing, it's being reserved in your account. So the money stays in your account. When the project is fully funded and the project owner has implemented the security measures, meaning that the property has been mortgaged in the name of the rental investors, then this money is being transferred to the escrow account, pulled together, and then transferred to the borrower. This way, the money is always in your name or either in escrow accounts neither us nor the borrower can get obtain this money before the property is being fully mortgaged and you have all the security in place in order to execute the deal.
0: I thought it's just a little bit annoying to sign up for this account, but there's actually also a benefit <laughs> yeah, when you compare it to other platforms where you just send the money, basically.
1: You know, I've been very skeptical about Pizzerra before, mm. uh, until I became a user myself. I don't know what about you, but I will make a short add for PSERA. Uh, I myself, I make some international transfers and uh, at least my commercial bank first, it do, doesn't execute the transfers from the mobile app, you know, <laughs> legacy systems from the bank. Second, they charge uh, high, uh, high transfer costs. So basically when you use PSERA, if you're a consumer, I believe the transfers are fully free for you or they <laughs> cost 20 cents. And you can get separate instant transfers also for for free or for twenty cents. So basically, if you want to transfer money to any other European state, it's done instantly. so it's it comes pretty handy. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean the app, the app, you know it's, it's 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 not the nicest one, but it's still better than most of the banks. So you know, and if you have this sort of an account on Pzzera, which you used to invest in and rent and you have some money and you get these monthly uh, payouts, Maybe you don't reinvest the money and you want to spend it. You have Visa card. You can go to your, you know, local Starbucks, get a coffee. You know, it comes pretty handy and it's basically free. So,
0: okay, it's like like Transferwise. Is, can you compare it to Transferwise?
1: Yeah, I would say it's uh, it's 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 very similar to Transferwise. Naturally, smaller, and uh, actually, it's a pretty interesting company because it was like Transferwise. They were born out of the Baltics, but Transferwise have been Seriously, venture capital uh, funded. So basically, they had a lot of money. Acer has been funded organically. It's the largest player in the region, and they focus more on businesses rather than uh, the retail, where they basically their core business is. Uh, I guess it's sort of it's called acquiring, where they you know they acquire money for businesses for like your e-commerce, and they did do something like twenty billion uh, euros in transactions. So twenty billion is quite quite a large amount. So I would say that yeah. if if people have worries that it's it's a startup, it's it's not a startup. It's almost twenty years old. It's uh, regulated by the central bank of Lithuania, and uh, they have long track record.
0: It must be better than than Wirecard, basically. Um, so <laughs> 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 Sorry, we, we in Germany still have uh, still uh, yeah thinking about why how this Wirecard thing could happen. So um, yeah. So you never know but um i think it should be should be fine also uh, where we talk about venture capital you are also financed by the same accelerator or, or company that is behind evo estate true yeah we are
1: financed by strap wise guys they are they are also behind uh, other players in the industry such as estate guru
0: mm-hmm.
1: or leslie so mm-hmm. we are backed by them and we are also backed by other institutional investors so mm-hmm. Right now, the the funding round, the first funding round was the smallest, hundred thirty thousand. Uh, but we are planning to do another funding round in a couple of months, and this will be more like a venture round uh, mm. rather than this uh, sort of pre seed round.
0: Cool. Maybe you, you just do it on CDAS so that everybody can join <laughs> investing. Yeah.
1: This this is actually an idea that I was thinking for in Rental, but I think that in rento is still a little bit. Uh, mm. Doesn't have thousands of investors where you know it would make sense that each investor invest, uh you know, fifty euros, hundred euros. In mm. in that case, the next funding round, the minimum ticket should be fifty thousand euros for an investor. But if he can bring some benefits, so let's say he's well connected, or he can bring us value in terms of his connections or intellect, mm. then you know we could lower this number to. Thirty thousand euros, but still, this is this is the minimum ticket. Mm. We want to move uh, fast. We want to expand to you know foreign markets, and uh, you mm. know, we, we want to be backed. At this point, we, as long as the institutional investors are backing us, I guess that for Inventor right now, it's better way to go with institutions mm. rather than equity crowdfunding. At least, at least for this year,
0: it's also less work uh, for now. And maybe if you are, if, if there's more popularity, then you could. Maybe in one or two years or three, um, you can still do a round on Cedars um, so that people can participate then.
1: You know, I, I can say that, you know, like Cedars is very nice if you want to engage your users and you have a very big users base. You no, know, and Rento has was 600 registered investors, something, something in that range. So mm-hmm. basically, you know, it would probably take us a week to call, give them a call, you know, and talk with each one of <laughs> them. And Cedars charge massive commission. So, yeah. uh, so, you know, for us, it's like, let's say, if we will be doing half a million round, and they charge 5% plus some extra fees, it will cost 30,000 euros. And just think of how many calls we could make for those 30,000 euros to the same people. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining you calling uh, one, for one week all your investors. Yeah, it um, makes sense to not pay the fees for Cedars uh, right now. But it's pretty good that you got these um, the background also from wise guys, as they as they kind of have a knowledge about the industry and they are also connected, and you can maybe also work together with the other companies uh, of that uh, accelerator or, or venture capitalist. So it's a it's it's a good background I would say to have. Yeah. So is there any other thing you would like to add about the the business model or about the the, the benefits for the customer right now? I think I have one question. Let me <laughs> think about the question, but I have also one other question in, in the meantime. There was also the regulation, and I read that, um, that you are kind of regulated now uh, in Lithuania. We have a license. Perfect. <laughs> and how many other companies do have a license? Is it already a must-have, or is, is it still that you can have it or you, you don't have to have it? It's a must-have and
1: it, probably it has been a must for four years I guess already and uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of market participants that already have. I guess that mm-hmm. from all the European states Lithuania is probably one of the most matured in terms of the regulation and even if we analyze our national regulation versus the one that's upcoming the European one there are no differences. I mean well, we, our lawyers and myself, analyzed you know the the prospects and how the prospective regulation is going to come out. We don't have to make any adjustments in uh, our business model, and in fact, the Bank of Lithuania is a little bit, not a little bit, but twice uh, stricter when it comes to capital requirements. So basically, we as a regulated entity, we have to keep money frozen in our bank account that we cannot spend. Basically. And this money would be used that if anything would happen to in rental, this money would be used in order, you know, to facilitate all the withstanding payments or, you know, to, uh, to service all the investors that have been investing there. Mm. So this is is one of the precautions and actually the bank of Lithuania, our national uh, regulation actually has twice the budget higher than the European one
0: has. So this, this is pretty interesting okay um and and do you do you plan also to comply with the european one even if you don't have to make so many adjustments
1: yeah of course i mean why not i guess that uh that the benefit uh, that the european re- regulation will bring is that our national regulation our national license it's not passportable meaning that if we would want to go to spain spain has its national regulation uh, we, we don't have license in spain it doesn't very like how to say it doesn't restrict us from operating in the market, but we we have to follow some certain guidelines, and we cannot operate the way the Spanish regulated company would do. But if we have let's say European regulation, what basically happens then is that we have a license in Lithuania, and then if we want the license in Spain, it takes us a couple of months to just get the license there and open the branch. Whereas if we on the national license that we have today, we would have to go. And if we want to be fully licensed in Spain, then we have to go and get uh, Spanish spices, which will take a year or two. So mm-hmm. actually, this will bring more efficiency to our operations.
0: Through to interne- internationalization, basically. Uh, wonderful. So um, And then there is a team on your website. Um, where did you get these guys? Um, <laughs> is it all friends or have you uh, put in a job uh, request on uh, on a website or from your network everything all parts you know I, not, none of them were my friends before mm. uh,
1: but uh, I did everything I guess that uh, most most of the people most of them came from the recommendation meaning that we were looking and what I do with hiring is that when they want to hire a person, I always look for an ideal candidate and if that Candidate says no, no, I always ask, who is the person do you think I should hire? And usually that recommendation is a really good one. So that's how we ended up uh, with with some of the candidates. But uh, I think like what I said initially, I guess that in the rental team, I like to call them my my all-stars because Mm -hmm. everyone is an expert in their own field. Like uh, me and David, we are both licensed investment advisors. He has been working in other uh, Investment companies, probably most well known is Robo Markets, basically, mm-hmm. you know, brokerage firm. Our chief risk officer, Renaldas, he's you know he's been in real estate for tens of years, twenty years, and he's worked at largest enterprises in Lithuania, either in asset management, property management, or anything related to the utilization of real estate assets. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some of the names on, you know, if you go to our about us page, you know, there are some Lithuanian companies, and they probably don't save much for you as a foreigner. But to give you one example, he was head of asset management at our government company, which manages all assets of the nation. So basically Mm -hmm. anything, you know, which, you know, universities, schools, museums, all kinds of assets where they utilize them, either they take it to the market, they sell it, they find the best tenants. And basically this is. I would say that this is both very prestigious and uh, qualified position. So Mm. we have this person who was, you know, managing nation's assets right now. He's, you know, taking, uh, he's working on managing, in a sense, managing your assets and basically managing the deal for where you would invest. So, Mm. and uh, our CMO, Vito Tas, he's been also, he's been, uh, big in communications and marketing for fintech companies. He worked in other crowdfunding companies in the past, and he also he worked in the same pizzeria that I just uh, was talking before in this podcast.
0: Yeah, pretty good. Um, then you have uh, a lot of knowledge and expertise uh, f- to build up the, the the platform. Very interesting. So I think um, that's basically it. What do you think you will where will you be in like three years? Then uh, with rental? have you diversified across? Europe or um, what? What's your goal? Do you have one?
1: I don't have uh, like nothing specifically where I would be mm-hmm. in years. But naturally, answering to your questions, we will we will be abroad, and I guess we will be abroad even sooner in a year's time. We are analyzing the markets, which which we want to take next. Naturally, the you know the the whole pandemic situation isn't helping us with you know mm-hmm. going and analyzing the markets. I guess a very easy choice for us would be go uh, go to Latvia, Estonia, you know, our neighboring countries where the laws are pretty much similar to the ones that we have here. Mm-hmm. But for growth, like I told this to my investors and to my team members, we are not building a lifestyle business. We are not building uh, a small business for ourselves. We are building. We are. Ch- we want to change the market, and basically, in order to change the market, we have to go somewhere where the market is much larger. So we are looking into various markets, from Western to Lithuania, but we are not limited also in Europe. So I, the, the next step, which we will take when we will go abroad to a foreign market is going to be uh, later on, and uh, this will be announced when we will close our next funding round.
0: All right, and I'm, I'm pretty curious to, um, to follow the news. And yeah, so thank you for for letting us know about all um, about your new new company, about the business model, about the real estate market, and um, yeah, glad that that there's still some innovation in peer-to-peer. And uh, yeah, I can just advise everybody to check out your website and uh, have a close look to make some income, I would say, from real estate properties. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matthias. Yes. Thank you for listening to the episode. We really appreciate you taking the time and we would love to hear your feedback in the comments on our website, financial Or you can head over to our Facebook group and engage with us and like-minded people that you can find at financial-independence.eu slash community. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review if you like. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle FIEurope. And for people on our email list, we post occasionally about special updates, ideas, events and create the best contents from the European FI community. You can find that at financial-independence.eu slash newsletter. Thank you for being part of the community and see you in the next episode.